that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, worn deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Welcome to Acts, our verse-by-verse -verse journey through what is called the fifth gospel. It's a story of the early church as they took the baton from Jesus and continued the ministry he began. Who knows we are to be all about continuing what Jesus began. That is our vision and mission as his people is to continue what he did, not just to live life our way, but his way, and not just to behave, but to believe and be obedient to fulfilling his calling on each of our lives, which is all about the mission that he has each of us on, to be a light wherever we are, to, as a little children's song said, to brighten the corner where you are. Notice in our text it said in verse 1, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So persecution arose and the early church was scattered from Jerusalem to the surrounding areas. Verse 4 said those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word of God, declaring the truth about Jesus. Who knows we're supposed to be about that? We don't have to wait till persecution scatters us to find opportunities to speak his word. If you have a house with a living room, that's an opportunity right there to invite some folks over to have a Bible study. Sean Ferris and Lori Zeger have a Bible study at Lori's home every other week, right? Uh, Josh Snodgrass has a Bible study at work once a week where they're going verse by verse through books of the Bible. He even has a Muslim coming to his Bible study. And I know there's others that are doing similar things. If you are, I want to know about it. Please tell me. I want to rejoice in what God's doing with you. In your bulletin weekly are opportunities to hear the word and even to be involved in spreading the word. For example, there's a jail outreach almost every Monday. To be involved in that, talk to me. I give you the phone number of the person to call. They'll get you signed up. And every Thursday, there's opportunity to uh, spread the word at the jails. You may say, well, uh, I've not been to Bible school. Well, you come to church every Sunday, right? You should, right? You're hearing the word, certainly you can tell somebody about it. Well, my memory's not so good. Well, in the bulletin every week are these notes. There's a method to my madness. You can, I've taken these notes on Thursday nights to the jail and passed them out because there's no staples in them. I don't think I was breaking the rules. And just did my Sunday morning teaching, speaking, preaching, or whatever right there with the very notes I use here. So they work in the jail. So, so if you like what you hear, you've got something, keep it, and let's spread the word and not wait for persecution to be involved in scattering. Amen? Amen. All right, back to the text. Verse 
Philip, who was one of the seven guys, remember the seven men that were appointed to help take care of the food distribution to widows? Well, now persecution has arisen. The widows are in jail or they've gone back to their homelands from Jerusalem. And so uh, Stephen has been martyred. He was one of the seven. Here Philip becomes an evangelist and goes to Samaria where Jesus said they were to go and preaches and unclean spirits come out of people with loud voices and many who were paralyzed and many who were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. If you were lame, wouldn't you be happy about it if you weren't anymore? So they were happy. Verse 9 talks about a character that lives in this city. It says there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Now, that alludes to their beliefs as Samaritans. They were a mixed race of people, and so their religion was a mixture of paganism and Judaism, and they believed there was different levels of God's power that one could have, and they basically were crediting Simon to have the ultimate of God's power. Meanwhile, he's a sorcerer. He's a magician of some sort. He's doing uh, sleight-of-hand stuff and maybe even some demonic stuff. He himself noticed that there was something different about what was happening through Philip. So he began to listen to the gospel and got saved. Verse 11, they heeded Philip because he had astonished them. They, they heeded Simon. The people had followed Simon because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Verse 12, but when the people believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. They were undeniable wonders. And so Simon got drawn in and winds up becoming a believer and gets baptized. Verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, remember the believers were scattered, but the apostles stayed at home in Jerusalem. When they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. There was uh, a dozen guys in charge of the church, Christ's apostles. Uh, One betrayed him and committed suicide, so they appointed a guy named Matthias to take his place. And so these men oversaw all the ministries of the church. They were daily ministering in the temple and house to house. And, I mean, the first day of the church's existence, 3,000 people got saved. And so if all 12 were involved in baptizing folks, they each had to baptize 250 people that day. So these men were busy. That's why they appointed seven guys to oversee the food distribution to the widows. And so they stayed in Jerusalem. And then when the gospel began to spread, they began to venture out and leave the home base. And so they sent Peter and John to these people who, when they had come down, they prayed for them, the new believers, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Can we say receive? They had already believed. Now it was time for them to receive. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So it is possible to be a water-baptized believer and yet 
not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, is the Holy Spirit involved in our becoming believers? Yes. He's the one that convicts our hearts of sin. He's the one that gives us ears to hear the gospel, which produces saving faith. He's very much involved. The Holy Spirit of God is very much involved in our being saved. Yet there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit for believers that these guys had not yet received. In this room today are believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and probably some believers who are believers... You've been baptized, but you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If that's you, listen up. This sermon, I think, will relate to you in ways that could be very life-changing. Verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what was the sign they had received the Holy Spirit? It doesn't say, but it was significant enough that Simon wanted that ability. We see that Jesus, when he talked about the Holy Spirit in the first part of this book, he said, you receive power to be witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. So one of the signs of receiving the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness. If you do not have any power to be a witness for the Lord, you need to receive more of God's Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 10, and chapter 19, we see three examples of people baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking in tongues. Explaining this, uh, Peter in Acts chapter 2 quotes Joel chapter 2, which says God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and the sign would be prophecy that people would prophesy. In Acts 19, we see 12 men who receive the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues, and they prophesy. In his explanation in Acts chapter 2, from Joel 2, Peter uh, says that, as Joel prophesied, that God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Old men would dream dreams, and young men would have visions. We see this thing happening throughout the book of Acts, and it can happen in our life. Sign of the activity, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, we'll see this a little later on today, uh, the whole bunch of believers received the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. And in Acts 13, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. So there's a number of things that can happen when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's important to be aware of that so that no one receiving the Holy Spirit is, to is told by any of us, you've not yet received the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. I was in a church that insisted on certain things happening or you weren't filled. And we were in Zimbabwe at a girl's jail. And there was a girl in jail named Melrose. And so part of a group of young people, we went there to have church and preach and, and reach out to Melrose. Melrose had a sister named Scarlett. Scarlett was with us. She wasn't in jail, but she was with us. She got to see her service, her sister during this service. At the end of the service, we had a time of ministry, laying on of hands in prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. And Scarlett received prayer and began to prophesy. And unfortunately, we told her, you've not yet received the Holy Spirit. We were wrong. She was filled. 
So anyway, back to the story. Simon was so impressed that he offered money. And Peter said to him in verse 20, your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. You know, if that happened in our day, I know of some TV preachers who would take Simon up on it. You see them. They're even on there today selling God's blessings. You know, give a $5,000 seed so millionaires will join, that church, join your church. I heard that this morning. I have seen and heard things like receive a new anointing for $250. And if that's not enough, receive a new anointing times 10 for $2,500. Come on, Peter, what are you thinking? You got needs back in Jerusalem. People are scattered. The word of God needs to be financed. We got to finance the return of Jesus. What a bunch of baloney. Come on, Peter, here's an opportunity. God is not after our money. He's after our life right? And Simon's life wasn't right. He was a believer. He'd been baptized, but look at what Peter said. Repent, verse 34, repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You know, just because we're saved doesn't mean everything's right with us. You could be here today just as saved as anyone else, but full of bitterness. Don't hold on to that. Here this guy gets rebuked for being full of bitterness. Poisoned by bitterness. And bound by iniquity. So just because we're saved, it does not justify wickedness. We can't be perfect enough to get saved. God has to save us like we are, right? Because that's we couldn't get saved otherwise. But just because you're saved doesn't mean there's not some room to grow. And this guy needed room to grow. And I believe he was saved. I do not believe Philip made a mistake by baptizing him. I believe Luke did not make a mistake by saying he believed. Look at Simon's response. This is the response to me of a saved person. He answered and said, get away from me. Who do you think you are? No, he didn't. He answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things you have spoken may come upon me. That's the repentant heart. So when, verse 25, they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they, that is Peter and John, returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans, just like Jesus had told them in Acts chapter 1. So the word gets spread, the word gets scattered, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness. Last Sunday, we laid hands on a couple, Dell and Chris Kennedy, who are not here anymore. They have accepted the call to pastor a church in Kemp, Texas, Living Word Church. Let's just pray for them right now. Lord, we pray for your favor to be upon this small congregation, that you would give Dell the exact word that people need to hear today, that you would raise up leaders there, that this could be a vibrant house in this county of 114,000 people, Lord. May your kingdom advance through the ministry of Living Word Church and other congregations like that in that area. In Jesus' name, amen.
speaking to you today on the subject, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. Can you tell someone that? So here's a question for you. I'm just a series of questions today. I'm just asking. They're somewhat rhetorical. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you have? Well, I believe when you're saved, you get it all. Well, that's great. It's possible. In Acts 10, it all happened at the same time. But here we see it happened separately. Believing, being baptized. You don't want to baptize unbelievers, right? If you overemphasize water baptism, that's what happens. People that preach you have to be baptized in water to be saved wind up baptizing a certain number of unbelievers, and that is unfortunately unfortunate because unbelievers leave and say there's nothing to it. I did it, and uh, it's a bunch of baloney. Well, somebody dunked them before they were believers, didn't give room for the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. So is water baptism? Yes, it's important. It is important. And I've never met a believer who didn't want to be baptized. So it's all about believing where salvation begins, and then it's worked out and revealed through the fruits of obedience. And one of the first things we're told to do as believers is to be baptized. And I've never met somebody saved that said, oh, I'm afraid of water. I don't want to be I've never seen that. So you don't have to argue with believers to be baptized. It's dumb to argue about water baptism. If a person's a believer, they're going to want to be baptized. If you're arguing with folks to be baptized, then they may not be a believer. Don't skip first base. Amen? So, you may be a believer. You may have been baptized in water. The question today is, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? John said that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. He said that in Matthew 3, Luke 3, and John 1. Three witnesses right there. This is something Jesus does in our life. Next question. Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you asked? Sometimes through misinformation or disinformation, people haven't asked because they've been taught something that maybe discouraged them from asking. Martin Lloyd-Jones, well-known pastor years ago of Westminster Chapel in London, was known as a great Reformed theologian in the latter years of his ministry, which some say was the best years of his ministry, he asked his congregation this question. I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may call it what you want, but I want to know, have you experienced the fullness of the Spirit? I know all of you listening to me come as I do from a Reformed background, but it's not good enough to be just from a certain background. I know that all of you would say to my question about the Holy Spirit, well, we get it all at conversion. There's no need for any more experience. Well, Pastor Jones said, I have one other question. If you got it all at conversion, where in God's name is it? Must have been a dead church. Are you open to receiving this promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. In John 20, Jesus breathes on his disciples and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, he told them to wait in Jerusalem till they are endued with power, the promise of the Father. 
which was the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, he echoes that, receive the Holy Spirit. Have you obeyed this command? Have you asked? Are you open to asking? This is kind of a matter of obedience. I mean, why did Peter and John walk for days to carry this ministry of ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people if they already had it all? It's important. Have you been endued with his power? Have you been clothed with the power of God? In Luke 24, I've already referred to it. He told them to wait on the promise of the Father so that they would be endued or clothed with God's power. Have you received power to be his witness? In Acts 1, I've also referred to this. You shall receive power. This is Jesus talking. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the evangelism of the world involves God's power, and God's power involves our being filled with his spirit. Next question. Do you believe Bible prophecy? Do you believe prophecies like, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and of his, of his peace there shall be no end. That's Jesus. We celebrate that at Christmas. That is on Christmas cards. We celebrate the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Well, what about this prophecy? It shall come to pass in the last days. Peter quotes it in Acts 2. It comes from Joel 2. Says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can we say Everybody. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Can we say prophesy? Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. What is prophecy? It's declaring what God is saying. It's not fortune telling. It's exhorting, edifying, and comforting people with words of God. Who wants to encourage people with things that God is saying? Don't want to come, come from my imagination. I want to be accurately saying what God says. And we have this promise, being filled with his spirit and prophecy happening. At the end of his sermon in Acts 2, Peter had proclaimed the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. People asked him, okay, what do we do? And he tells them, each of you, everybody, must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repenting is turning from sin, turning to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what the people had done in Samaria here in our text before Peter and John showed up. And then the second part there, verse 39, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is why Peter and John went to Samaria. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Any Gentiles in the house? Any Jews in the house? Anybody been called by the Lord? This is a promise for us all. Do you ever feel like something might be missing? This 
this is a promise yet to be fulfilled in your life if you've not yet enjoyed this. Don't hold back. Have you heard the good news of Jesus? Do you believe he's a risen Savior? Have you repented by turning from sin to him? Have you been baptized in water in his name? Have you received this promised gift of the Holy Spirit? It's in the book, folks. If we're to continue Christ's ministry, we must continue it in his power. He saves us first, then he empowers us. Let me ask you this. Do you have refreshing times from God's presence? In worship, is there an experience of his, of his presence that you enjoy? Or do you just kind of be glad when that part of the service is over. If you're enjoying God's presence, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit's activity. Peter said in Acts 3, repent, turn to God so that your sins can be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, come from his presence. This, I believe, refers to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with his Spirit. Are you empowered to speak with boldness? Doesn't mean are you, you know, able to scream and whenever you want to scream at folks, but no, is there a boldness that comes upon you when you talk about Jesus? Or are you just sweating the whole time and nervous? Could be God's power is, is what you need in your life at a greater level. The early church had been threatened with persecution and they got together and had a prayer meeting and the place where they prayed was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness, Acts 4.31. The boldness we need is the power that he promised through the fullness of the Spirit. So here in our text, Peter and John go to Samaria to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Not only did they pray for them, but they laid hands on them. Have you allowed anyone to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And has anyone laid hands on you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, why not? What would it hurt? Well, I don't want to get a demon. That, that's a natural question that happens. And incidentally, Jesus said, if your child asks for bread, will you give him a rock? If you ask for an egg, will you give them a scorpion? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, this is what Jesus said, give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So are you open? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Have you been prayed for? Has hands been laid on you? If you're open, you should be open to this. Don't want anybody to feel manipulated. I'm just asking questions, that's all. In Acts 19, Paul found 12 believers. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know. So that's another example from this book of a person being a believer but had not yet received the baptism or the infilling 
of the Holy Spirit. So back to the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you became a believer? I received when I became a believer. That is possible. You know, I don't throw rocks at that. It happened in Acts 10. It happens to numerous people. But that's not the norm. The norm is we become believers, we're baptized in water, we receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that we would consider this word, consider these questions, and the importance that the answer to our lives will make. In Jesus' name, amen. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus to not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. The King James Version says, leads to waste. Drunkenness, nothing good happens when we get drunk. Some of the funny things and sad things people do uh, that gets them in a world of trouble, alcohol often was involved or some kind of intoxicant. Don't do that. But here's what you do do. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Can a person get drunk more than once in their life? Yes. Can a person be filled more than once in their life? Yes. Let's take the next few minutes and just give the Lord an opportunity to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Right here in our seats, it's not through our efforts, it's through our openness and our faith. So just assume a posture of receiving from the Lord. You may want to bow your heads, you may want to put your hands on your heart, you may want to raise your hands. Let's just honor the Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would come, come Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize us all. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit this morning. children, just as we are, warts and all, just like we are. We don't come because of our merits, 
or our wisdom or our, even our theology, as important as these things are, we just receive as little children. Maybe you've made it complicated or somebody's made it complicated for you. I'll just share a couple instances of people being filled in, in atmospheres that you may think wasn't really ideal. Uh, how our son received the Holy Spirit. He was four years old, I think. We had gone to the movies, and by mistake, we made an error. Yvette and I took our children to see Howard the Duck. The movie became more and more risque, and then uh, suddenly they're channeling in demons through radio telescopes, and it's like, let's get out of here. We went home and just felt, you know, kind of dirty, you know. Man, that wasn't good. So we got on our knees. We repented. Vet and I repented to our kids, and then we prayed for the Lord to forgive us. And just that time with the Lord, Zane gets filled with the Holy Ghost. In the early service, Karen shared her story. Her and her sister were watching Wild Wild West. And about midnight, her sister asked her, Karen was 12 years old, have you received the Holy Spirit? She said, no, not yet began to pray and she received you can receive anything God has for you you are as worthy as the next person